So it is New Year's, and this is the uh, second week of our, our New Year's series uh, called Resolution. How many of you guys made a resolution this year? Raise your hand. Um, that few? Really? Raise your hand if you made a resolution. Let me see. Okay, more enough. All right, good. How many of you guys have already bailed on those resolutions? Raise your hand. Uh, that's some liars in here. Yeah, there's probably way more in the, in the last service. Almost everybody that said they made a resolution raised their hand saying that they've already bailed on it. Who's sick and tired of saying Happy New Year's? Anybody tired of that yet? I'm tired of that, but I'm, I'm still finding myself in those awkward pauses when you walk by somebody or walk up to somebody. You don't, like, I've got one of those personalities that needs to, like, connect to people, and so, like, I'm searching for the, that's why I love Christmas, because I've got something to say to everybody. Merry Christmas, Merry, or Happy Hanukkah. I mean, I don't care. I'll go with either one. Um, I'm, I'm such a social person. I'm looking for that connection. New Year's gives you that, but I, I might be carrying it a little bit, a little bit too long. Um, I think it's good for us to have New Year's resolutions. Um, I think it's good for us to want to be healthy. I think it's good for us to want to lose weight. Um, I think it's good for us to want to quit smoking. Uh, to to uh, anything you're addicted to, I think you're on. It's unhealthy. You know what I mean. So uh, some of us maybe it's to cut back on TV. Some of it's to cut back on our on our our uh, 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 smartphone use. Okay, now I'm meddling right there. Right, that's all of our advice, I'm sure. Um, we were watching a movie the other night, and and all four of us are sitting here watching a movie together as a family, and everybody's playing on their own iPhone or their own smartphone or iPad. Is is Ryan's always got earphones, and he's watching uh, Minecraft uh, videos, uh, and 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 it's like so. I, I think we probably need to cut. My insurance told me what my New Year's resolution was. Uh, my insurance told me I needed to lose 22 pounds, and they sent me a scale so that I would do it. They sent me, uh, it's true, uh, that, that they really did. They said, I need to lose 22 pounds, and it'll save them a lot of money over the life of, of, of the, the time that I'm one of their clients, jerks. Um, <clears throat> I want to switch insurance companies, but I can't, so I'm kind of stuck with them. The truth is, this is true. On Friday, I got a, I got a package from Amazon. I'm all excited because everybody likes Amazon because it feels like Christmas, right? I mean, like you can buy like a $3 deal, and if you got Prime, it comes in a nice box, right? So you, you can have Christmas every week if you wanted for 3 bucks. if you're getting something small. So I'm all excited. There's like an Amazon box. It's got my name on it. My wife didn't open it. I get all excited. I open it up. It's from my insurance company, and it's a jump rope. I freaking hate these guys. Like, it is none of your business how much I weigh. Now, this scale, it looks all like, you know, high tech and everything. It's all like a, like a, like a, a smoky glass top to it. It's, it's, dude, it looks all like space age. Like, okay, what is space age? That's, that's something people said in the 80s. Um, it just looks all high tech, right? That's what I probably should have just stuck with right there. Uh, but what people in my family didn't realize when I first got it is that it's also connected to Wi-Fi. And so, like, I'm in a group of chubby people. Um, like, we're like in a, like, like um, my, my phone uh, uh, text me uh, at the end of every day. Hey, Sean, did you input how many steps you took today and what you ate each meal? And I'm like, no, like it's none of your, okay, okay I, I do it. So everybody online can see what everybody else is doing. So when each one of the people, my family stood on the scale, it sent that to all the other chubby people in my group. Uh, my mom and dad came to visit us for Christmas, and I know they stepped on it because I saw that it dinged my account what my mom weighs and my dad weighs. And I didn't tell them that, so that's awesome. 
So I actually know how much they gained while being at my house, house for Christmas. Kind of, kind of creepy. Now listen, it's, it's good to make resolutions. It's good to, to, to want to improve ourselves. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that uh, we, could, we, could, we could be asking ourselves a way better question than how can I make me a more awesome version of me. You know what I mean? Um, because if you, you lose weight, that's great for you, but it really doesn't make a difference, a, a positive difference in anybody else's life. Uh, it's good if you lose uh, 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 so, some pounds. It's, it's good if you get out of debt. It's good if you quit smoking. <clears throat> these, these are good things. It just doesn't make a difference to anybody else in the world. So that's so what we talked about last week is, is what if we started asking ourselves a different question at New Year's? What if the questions changed from how could I be more awesome at being me to how could I make somebody else's world around me more awesome? How could I leverage my life to make somebody else's life better? You know, and, and we talked about what it would look like at your funeral, possibly. What are people going to say? Nobody walks by your casket or your urn or your memorial service and gets up and says, you know what I really appreciated most about Sean is that he retired in his 50s. Because it doesn't make a difference in anybody's life. No one's going to say, you know, I'm, I'm proud. Of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad I knew Sean. He lost 22 pounds because his insurance got in his face. Right? No one's going to say at your funeral, you know, they made a difference in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm glad here to honor them because they, they quit smoking. And I'm not saying any of these things are bad. Get out of debt, quit smoking, lose weight. Like, like do all of these things, but do more than that. I mean, like that's, you know what I'm saying? Like if you, if you live for no one else but yourself, you'll have nothing else but yourself to show at the end of yourself. But if you would live for something more than yourself, you'll have more than yourself to show for yourself at the end of yourself tweet that and confuse the heck out of everybody, right? What do you want said, said about you? There is a, a movie that I watched, uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Does anybody remember that movie? I think it came out like 99. It was like, it was back before, uh, do you remember um, um, uh, uh, Bootstrap Bill? Uh, the, his son, the son of Bootstrap, Will? Will Turner, not Bill Turner, but Will Turner in, in uh, 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 Pirates of the Caribbean, that guy was in a movie back in the 90s, all right? That's the cultural reference right there. Uh, and it was about the Crusades, and uh, his name's Orlando Bloom. He was also the, the uh, younger elf in Lord of the Rings. If this helps anybody, or it might be a distraction to everybody, I'm sorry. This is just the way my brain works. So you're going to have to ride, ride this train with me for a moment. Um, but in the movie Kingdom of Heaven, his dad, who's Liam Neeson who's also in Rob Roy. Not that anybody cares, and I need to stop doing this. Uh, he's coming back from the first crusade. Uh, it's been, uh, maybe not the first crusade. It doesn't matter. I need to keep moving. It's been years, about, about 20 years since he left for the crusades. And he had become a knight. He's got about 100 soldiers un under his authority. Uh, he comes back. He has no children except for one. And before he left the crusades, he'd gotten this random lady pregnant. He found out that she had a son, and that's who he's looking for. So he comes back to this town. His name is uh, Balian. And so uh, finds out that Balian is a, uh, a blacksmith, and he wants to determine whether or not his son has good character uh, because he needs to find somebody to pass down his titles to and to give all of the, in, the, the influence that he spent his life gaining, he needs somebody to hand that off to. And he's trying to determine whether or not Balian has the kind of character that he could trust with all the influence he spent his life gaining. And, and so he's at the, the blacksmith shop. 
And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Will Turner, um, Balian, is uh, walking around checking out the horses, and they're just having a conversation. The dad's kind of doesn't know that this is his dad. Now, he knows that's his son, but he doesn't know that, that this is his dad who's talking to him. And uh, he notices one of the crossbeams in, in this uh, smith shop uh, has some writing in another language. And so he says to uh, Balian, he says, what does that say? And he makes this statement. I love it. And I, I think it perfectly sums up what we're talking about. He says that it says what man is a man who doesn't make the world a better place. Isn't that good? Not, I tried to Google, like, where did that phrase come from? I, I can't find that predating that movie anywhere. I think the producers came up with it, but I, I love the phrase. What, what person lived a good life who didn't make any other person's lives better? You're going to spend your life or you're going to invest your life, but you're not going to do both. Maybe there's times where you'll do both but you're going to spend it or you're going to invest it and only one of them comes with a return on your investment. It's kind of like if I were to, um, if your goal was to eat at Taco Bell, which that would be a good goal for today. Jesus loves Mexicans and, and Taco Bell is awesome. I love, I love Mexican pizza. I think in heaven at the marriage feast of the lamb, Mexican pizza will be on the menu somewhere. It's in the book of Revelations, I'm sure. So let's say your goal is to eat uh, uh, just like this huge Taco Bell meal. And I gave you $10. That's all I was going to give you. You could go spend that $10 at Taco Bell and get that really awesome Mexican pizza value meal, right? Or you could do something else with that $10. And, and I'm bringing this up randomly because it's something that my older son did. Uh, Garrett was home for Christmas. And, uh, you know, he's always on Etsy and he follows some like really creative photography types and do-it-yourselfer types on Instagram and, uh, you know, his Pinterest page, I don't think he has a lot of Pinterest stuff, but it's, it's all like the, the craftsman type stuff that he really digs. And, you know, he's, he's a, a little bit of a hipster, so pray for me. I'm working through that. Uh, he's, my son wears skinny jeans, so I'm trying to process that also. Um, it's difficult for me, so uh, pray for us. But um, he was, uh, while he was home, he was on his way back, you know, off of this street right here, goes back under Route 24, back up towards Target, takes a left on Maple, which is the back way to Ikea. At the bottom of Maple, it dead ends into Turnpike. And on the left there, there's a, a company, I don't, I don't know if there's any signage out there or not, but people who run landscape companies who cut down trees can just bring those logs to these guys and dispose of them without any charge. Then these guys mulch those logs and then sell it back to landscapers. So they've got some type of a symbiotic relationship where they get their product from the landscapers, then the landscapers pay them to get back the stuff that they do with it, saves everybody time, um, and they each become their own supplier for each other. Kind of a cool thing. So Garrett drives by and he sees these gigantic logs that are just laying there, and he, and he remembers from his Etsy page or his Instagram page uh, some type of a photo that he saw where people kind of cut those into like little like pickle slices. Not like a pickle slice, but like a pickle slice. Do you know what I'm talking about? You got like a tall pickle and you cut them into slices. You got a tall tree and you cross sections of trees, like pickles. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes? Because like I see no recognition on anybody's faces. You've completely made me feel like a moron right now. So there's pickle slices of trees. So Garrett pulls into the guy and he says, hey, oh, could I get you to give me a couple of, you know, slices, cross cut, pickle slices of trees. We know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, tweet that. Nobody will know anything what you're talking about. So those pickle slices of trees, and he goes, ah, tell you what, for 10 bucks, I'll give you five of them. 
Now, Garrett had seen online that, that people had taken those pickle slices of those, those, those tree sections, and then they sand them, and then they like coat them with lacquer, then they put like legs on them, and they're selling them for like 500 bucks. So Garrett gets five of those for 10 bucks, comes home, and he's got like a little project. He's borrowing my sander. Um, he, I, you know, I, we have our own polyurethane coating, and so he sands it. Uh, my dad buys him a planer for Christmas because of this, and so that didn't even cost him any money, and then he makes a couple of tables that he can sell for 150 because he wants to flip them quick. Now, do you see how 10 dollars, now how much Mexican pizza can you buy with $800 from five pickle slice tables? All that comes from, that's the difference between spending, wow, that took way too long to talk about spending and investing. But you see how you can spend $10 and get your Taco Bell? Or you can invest your $10 and get like buttloads of Taco <laughs> That's a pun. Buttloads. <laughs> but think about it. Buttloads <laughs> of Taco Bell. Do you see what I'm saying? You're going to spend your $10 or you're going to invest your $10. And you're going to do that with your life. You're going to spend it on what you want right now so you get what you want right now. And then you've got nothing to show for it. Or you're going to say no to some things right now because you know it's going to give a greater return on investment. You're going to get way more Mexican pizza for your 10 bucks next month than if you go to Taco Bell right now. Does this make sense? That's what we're talking about. The cost. What it's going to cost you right now to live a life that matters. To live a life that makes a difference. So what breaks your heart? I asked you that question last week. What is it that moves you? Like when you're not thinking about anything else, what does your heart bend toward? What does your heart lean to? On the backside of your communication card, I'm going to give you about 20 seconds to write that down again. Would you do that? Write it down quickly. Now, some of you, 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 you haven't thought of that yet. There's, there's nothing that you can think of that, that breaks your heart. And so I, I know what your takeaway is from the teaching this weekend is your, your takeaway is to continue praying, God, help my heart to bend towards something, some area of brokenness in the world or some other person whose life is broken, something that I can do to make something else better beyond me. That, that, that should be your prayer. I asked Billy Jane uh, this past week, I said, babe, what is it that breaks you? When I asked that question at church, my wife and I always like process how the weekend, like, what did you think? What, you know, what could I have done better kind of stuff? And, and um, I said, what breaks your heart? What did you write down? And she said, the kids at Grace Church. I said, what, what do you mean? She said, I'm terrified of kids growing up hating God because they hated going to church. Because that's a lot of our stories, Right? Her goal is to make sure that your kids beg you to come back every weekend. And for a lot of us, that's, that's why we came back a second time. Our kids woke us up and said, hey, we're going back to that church again. And so that's how I know she's doing the, like, she's in the right area. This is, and she's doing it, she's thinking tearing it up. You know what I'm saying? Because she found a way in the world to leverage her life, her gifts, abilities, her talent, her personality, towards the thing that breaks her heart, and she's making a difference. Adults are calling her Miss Billy. You know what I mean? Like their little kids are calling her Miss Billy. I, I love that. And I said, well, do you know what breaks my heart? And she says, I don't want to talk about foster kids right now. <laughs> right? That, that's what break, like that's beginning to break my heart. Like as a middle schooler, I didn't have a lot of friends, and I wasn't a foster kid. 
I just didn't have a lot of friends. My first day of school in sixth grade, uh, my parents dropped me off late. And um, there's a, this is in 82, so like Jesus freak people were still around. And so like this dude walked into the office wearing leather sandals, a white robe, purple sash, long hair, long beard. Dude looked like the pictures of, of Jesus. This one, that's what he looked like, right? I'm like, I, sign this. I'll sell it on eBay. Um, I, I, I didn't know who the guy was. He stopped in front of me on his way out of the office, shook my hand, put his hand on my head and said, don't eat meat. Jesus never ate meat and walked out. That's my only interaction with this guy. But all the other sixth graders thought that dude was my dad. Oh, it's funny to you because you don't have a heart or a conscience, but I had zero friends in middle school. I'd walk up to a table with nerds at it and I'd say, can I sit here? And there'd be like three dudes at a table of eight and they would say, table saved. That happened all the time, all the time. My mom and dad switched me school districts when they were afraid that I was going to, I was going to hurt myself. Don't want to talk about that too much because it always makes me emotional. My point is, is that bent my heart. So when I became a youth pastor, makes sense that I became a youth pastor now. My heart was always bent towards who? The jocks in the high school or the overlooked in the high school, the picked on in the high school. I always went for the kids that none of the other youth pastors were going for because that's who I was. As my kids were being raised in my home, I told them, if I ever see you picking on a kid, if I ever see you picking on a fat kid in dodgeball or, you know, the, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm just talking to my kids real. You are the ugly kid or the mentally slow kid or the kid that smells bad. I will wear your hiney out. That kid is your dad. Not really your dad. <laughs> But I was like, that was me. You need to remember, that was your dad. And what I needed for somebody to do was say, Sean, sit by me. You know what I'm saying? That bent my heart. So I think of those people in our culture who feel most disconnected from other people. And when I found out just recently about the, what, 13,000 foster kids whose families should have been safe places but aren't, who are getting abused by horrible foster families. That's why Billie Jane don't want to talk about this, because she needs Jesus. Y'all need to pray for her. <laughs> now, I know it's not the right timing yet. Otherwise, her heart would be bent toward it too. You see what I'm saying? But I, what bends your heart? Now, if you really do start leveraging your life toward this, if you really do start living yourself for more than yourself, it's going to cost you. Take an extra 20 seconds to write down something that you know it'll cost you. If you really poured your life into this, what will it cost you? Write it down. For some of you in middle school, I start talking about the kid who sits at lunch table all by himself. And you just thought of that kid, didn't you? Now, you don't sit by him either. Because if you went and sat by them, you know what it would cost you. Your other friends would pick on you because you went and sat by that kid. That's what it would cost you. You might lose some friends over it. What would it cost you? There's people at work, we're grown-ups, and we're still playing middle school games. It doesn't go away. We're just more smooth at it. We're slyer at cutting each other deep. That's all. We just do it in more subtle ways where we won't get turned into HR. 
That's good thing there was no HR in middle school. We'd have all been kicked out, right? So we're just better at it. What would it cost you? It's going to cost you friends, possibly. It'll cost, definitely cost you time. It'll inconvenience you. If my family's got a foster kid, we may not be able to go on a mission trip, right? Because what kid can't go out of state, maybe? I mean, I don't, what's it going to cost us? Money? Time? It definitely cost us money. It'll cost us time. It'll cost you missed opportunity. If you leverage, it'll cost you vacation time. Carlos and Michelle went to Sierra Leone, Africa on a mission trip. They did. Now every year, they give up, they give up half of their vacation every single year to go do something, to go sleep on a floor in a third world country with malaria. That's what it cost them. But they make a difference. Those kids over there in that orphanage in Sierra Leone, they know Carlos's name. They know who Michelle is. They don't know you. You don't make a difference to them. Michelle works in an insurance office. Carlos is a contractor. Changing Sierra Leone, Africa. Whose life do you change that you ain't related to? That you don't have to? You see what I'm saying? What kind of funeral do you want? What do you want people to say when they line up at your casket? No one's going to show up at your funeral because you lost weight, because you retired in your 50s. The only Think of the best funeral you ever went to. Best funeral, you ever been to a good funeral? Some of us might never have been to one. I went to a funeral where everybody was high-fiving each other afterward. Frank Eckler's funeral. Some of you guys remember Frank. We got done with Frank Eckler's funeral. By the way, this auditorium was packed for that old dude. Right? They're, we were high-fiving. People were saying, I want to die like that. You don't get to die like that unless you lived like that. That dude earned that funeral and he didn't wait until he was dying of cancer before he decided how he wanted to be remembered. That brother just made better choice. And I know we don't have time, right? We got the same 24 hours a day that everybody else gets. We just use our hours differently. We get the same seven days a week. We get the same. We have as much time as everybody else gets. We just don't use it as well. We fill it up with stuff they're not filling it up with. We're saying yes to things they say no to. We're saying no to opportunities they're saying yes to. Because we don't want to give up our Mexican pizza today for 10 Mexican pizzas a month from now. Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 9 where he says in verse 24, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, that's how you'll find it. See, if we want to have a good life, we think that if I need to protect my life, right? If I need to protect my resources, my assets, my, my skills, my gifts, my abilities, my opportunities, my family, the best way for me to do this is build up a big fence around it. Make sure that I protect all my money. Make sure I hoard all of it. Make sure I, 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 I leverage every opportunity for my good and my benefit. Jesus said, if you spend your life Hoarding your money, hoarding your opportunities, hoarding your influence, or leveraging all of it just for you. I want you to know that if you live your life trying to protect and save it, you will get to the end of it to realize that you have actually lost it. First funeral I ever did had 25 people at it. 
Only one person was there who wasn't related to the deceased. And I thought, dear God in heaven, let my life count to more than one person who didn't have to show up. Right? Like, don't we all want this? I'm not saying we all want to be famous. We probably don't. Like, I struggled with whether or not to buy a lotto ticket yesterday. I thought, what happens if I win? Could I preach next Sunday at Grace Church? No. This place would be a freaking zoo. And somebody would kidnap me. <laughs> Could I coach my son in Stoyak? You see what I'm saying? I didn't buy a power ticket. That's why nobody hit yesterday. <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you see what I'm saying? I, I'm all right with that. There's something more to live my life for than just stupid money. Nobody's life has changed because of Sean's bank account getting fat. Try to save it, you'll lose it. But if you are willing to leverage it, for my sake, he goes on to say, that's where you'll save it. If you'll leverage it. God's not calling you to lose anything. He's calling you to let go of the thing that's keeping you from gaining everything. He talks about this more in Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, there's a great crowd following Jesus. And Jesus wasn't into great crowds. That wasn't his, his goal wasn't to put butts in seats. Jesus spent three years starting a church with 120 people. He mentored, he mentored, excuse me, he mentored 12 people and all 12 of them abandoned him when he needed them most. I don't even know how good of a job he did. But he wasn't interested in getting as many people into the room as possible. He wanted the right people in the room. He wasn't trying. You, you see what I'm saying? He wanted the right people. So every once in a while, he would say something to thin the crowds. This isn't the worst thing he ever said, but I think the most awkward thing that Jesus ever said was one time he turned around to the crowd and he said, just because there were too many of them, really, that's what the Bible says. He said, unless you are willing to drink my blood and eat my flesh, you can't follow me. Now that was a metaphor, but he didn't tell them it was a metaphor. He just let it hang. Just see who sticks around after this creepy thing I just said. The Bible said many people stopped following Jesus that day. The Bible says that. I, mean, I got to be honest. Unless I was one of the 12 disciples, right? But if I'm part of the, 12, the crowd and he said that, I'd go, all right, that was awkward. I'm out. I'd have been one of the people that walked away. Many people left and Jesus was okay with that. He needed the right people in the room, Right? And he does another one of those moments that says one of those things that thins out the crowd here. Now listen, I know that for some of you guys, this is going to be too much, and that's okay. I'm glad you're here. Regardless of where you're at in your relationship with God, regardless of where you're at and what you believe about Jesus, I'm glad you're here. This isn't going to be for everybody, but this is for a lot of you. Here's what he says in verse, verse 25 of Luke chapter 14. A large crowd was following Jesus, and he turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everybody else in comparison. You must hate everybody else by comparison. Like, okay, like everybody, like, 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 like people I work with, like what, do you, like what do you mean? And he spells it out for him. I'm talking about your dad, your mom. I'm talking about your spouse and your kids 
your brother and sister, and even your own life. By comparison, if you want to follow me, you actually have to follow me. A disciple is somebody who lives at the direction of another person. And the truth is, Jesus isn't the one that directs most of my decisions. My decisions are mainly influenced by what's best for Billy Jane, my kids, my family. Yours too? He said that's wrong. Now, I'm not saying that following Jesus won't also benefit my family, but he says in comparison, it's hate compared to the love you have for me and my kingdom purposes. I don't know how many of us that would describe. See, if you don't live, love, give, and serve like Jesus lived, love, gave, and served, I don't know. There's way too many people saying they're Christians than what are actually Christians. Can the atheists in the room say a, <laughs> don't. We would all agree with that one, right? But if somebody calls themselves a Christian, doesn't live, love, give, and serve like Jesus, like Christ, live, love, gave, and served, if they don't make choices, he would make. If they don't sacrifice the way he sacrificed, if they don't love as generously as he loved, then are they Christians? What makes them Christian? Would Jesus call them Christian? Here's what he goes on to say. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. If you cannot die to yourself, you cannot live for me. Is that what he's saying, yes or no? Look what he says. Listen, he doesn't... His goal isn't to get as many people on Team Jesus as possible. That is not the goal of Jesus. The goal is not to put as many people on his team who wear his jersey. Look what he says in the next verse. So don't begin following me. Don't, don't even start this. Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough room, enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you'll complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone will laugh at you, and they'll say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king is there who goes to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to determine whether or not his 10,000 can beat the 20,000 coming against him? And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away and doesn't know his numbers. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up what? You cannot be my disciple unless you are willing to give up everybody, everything you own. Did Jesus say that, yes or no? Then did he mean it? Nobody underlines this verse. We underline that whole, peace I leave with you, my peace do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We memorize John, 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. We memorize Romans 8, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We memorize Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ain't nobody going to memorize that verse right there. Nobody underlines it. You cannot follow me unless you give everything you own to me and my kingdom purposes. That's 
It's not my favorite verse either, so we're all cool. You want to follow Jesus? Let go of what's standing in your way. If you really want to save your life, then hang on to what constitutes your life more loosely. He's calling us to invest our life, not to spend it. And I'll leave you with one last verse, and that's in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So there is an active enemy. The Bible often talks about our enemy. It'll say uh, the thief, uh, the accuser of the brethren, Satan. And, and we, we know that there, so when we hear about there's a thief who's trying to get us, to, who's trying to steal away our life, to rob us and to kill all the good that's in our life, we think that the solution to the thief is to protect all of it and hang on to it more tightly. And that's kind of like the subtle play that he makes. Because in trying to keep from losing our life and trying to keep from the thief stealing our life, we end up losing it. That's his play. His play is to get you to make decisions based in fear and self-preservation rather than in faith and generosity. Because if I give, then I'll have less. Not remembering or not trusting what Jesus said that those who give, more will be given. Why? So that they will do what? Hang on to? If God gives you more, I know why. It's so that you can do more. If God gives you less, it's because you haven't done anything with what you've already. If I had more, no, you won't. Why would God give you more opportunity to squander? More money to mismanage? More chances to be selfish? Why would God be that irresponsible? So he says, I came to, him to give them a rich and satisfying life. How? By living for more than them. I, I can't. Who is the reason you have everything you have? You say, oh, me, me. I earned this. Yeah, you earned this with the personality and skill set that who gave you. Well, I earned this skill set with the body that doesn't have any disabilities that who gave you. All you have is only because you leveraged what he invested in you. And he invested all of that in you, hoping you would do what with it? Invest it in others. He has a vested interest in how God isn't up in heaven watching all of this like some cosmic experience just to experiment, just to see what we're going to do. He has a vested interest in your life being lived well because he invested in your life in the first place. He's one who gave you your tools, your resources, your assets. And he gave those things to you not to pad your nest. He didn't give that to you so your life would be great. He, lived, he gave that to you so that you would live your life greatly. Once you get a taste of this, you'll never settle for anything less. You won't. Take one week of vacation. Go to Haiti with us. 
you'll never be able to imagine not giving up half of your vacation ever again. The idea of Carlos and Michelle spending all of their vacation time sipping martinis in Cabo, think about that for a second, doesn't appeal to them. They got a taste of what better tastes like. Foster one kid. Let that kid grow up and say, your home was the only home I ever felt safe in. You'll never not foster ever again. Get a taste of what it feels like to live for more than yourself, and you'll never settle for you ever again. And we'll have another Frank Eckler funeral, and it'll be yours. Because you lived your life for more than yourself, you'll end up having more than yourself to show for yourself. Or not. What's crazy? Crazy awesome is that you actually have the power to make this happen. You just have to make different choices. You have to choose to hang on more loosely. You have to choose to leverage all that you have, all that you are, for somebody else's glory beside your own. That's all it takes. But that's everything. That's why many of us won't. Or maybe we will. I think God in heaven intends your funeral to be packed. I think he intends your life to make a difference. And I think he intends us to make better choices. Question is just whether we will or not. Let's pray. God, let your will be done in our lives, please. I'm thankful that you told us this. You you took the time in the Bible to talk to us about this so that we would live our lives wisely so that we would invest it rather than spending it. Yeah, we have responsibilities in our homes, but it's not to spend all that we are on our homes. It's not to leverage every asset, every resource, every opportunity just for ours, mine and ours. God, help me to model generosity to my kids so that they grew up to be generous. Help me to be selfless, yes, in the home, but also with my neighbor. I pray for the middle schoolers in our church to look for the middle schoolers in their school who are alone. I pray for our high schoolers to be less concerned with their likes on Instagram and more concerned with those who feel unliked in their school. God, for those of us who use people to get money at work, help us to flip that and leverage money to bless people. Help us to think differently about the way that we live our lives and the choices that we make so that we get a different kind of life at the end. Help us to make a difference. Help us to live selflessly. Help us to follow your example of self-sacrifice, offering our life fully back to you for whatever crazy fool idea of awesomeness you put in our heart to do for others. And we ask this in your great name, Jesus, and we pray it and say, amen.